and welcome to Medium of the Month, the monthly show where we go over a specific medium in the world of entertainment. And I have one special guest with me to delve into this wonderful topic of television this month. My guest is Jared McBride. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Jared McBride is one of my good friends and also one of the people I talk to most about entertainment because he is a fellow media junkie. That's fair. I'd say that. Typically, we talk about movies and music, but we took a break from those two subjects to go over television this month. Why did you choose television? I chose television because you had already done movies on this podcast, and that is my normal medium for for, uh, entertainment. But given that I'm in college right now and it's all online school, I've been spending a lot of my time at home in front of the TV with the movie theaters closed, right, right, I've been right. open to more TV shows, which I normally don't do because they're longer and I hate when they get canceled. Mm. So I wait until like a series is all the way done and then I watch it because getting invested two to three seasons in waiting nah, year to year and then it's just like, yeah, NBC decided to cancel it. It's like, well, then why did I watch the first three seasons? It's brutal. It's brutal. I had a show I really liked called Pushing Daisies. We watched it as a family. And we were so invested, and I think we got like three seasons in, and then it turned out it was canceled and never be brought back and left with a cliffhanger, and yeah, nobody wants that. It's one of the worst feelings, Definitely. I'd say, in, in all of like entertainment, because it doesn't happen with movies normally. Typically, yeah. You don't like have a cliffhanger with the intention to continue this like the show and then get nothing from it. Suicide Squad. Nah. I don't think anyone wants a sequel. <laughs> You're not wrong. They got the Oscar, though. So Yes, they are the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Um, Nevertheless, this is your first podcast ever, yeah? Yeah, I've never been podcast, radio, anything, so this is my first time. Well, so far, so good, Jared. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. So I guess let's get right into what we recommended each other. Um, he recommended me a show that had been on my watch list for a while, but I never got around to, and that was The Community. And I recommended him the HBO series Barry just because once he said he hadn't seen it, I was like, all right, this is the perfect fit. I know Jared enough that he will definitely enjoy this. So we haven't talked about opinions on either one of these shows. Uh, So give it to me, Ra. What did you think of Barry? Yeah, I had never seen Barry and I loved Barry. I thought Barry was, it's very unique. Right. So, I mean, the premise of Barry is Bill Hader is this hitman basically that's come back from his time serving in the military and um he basically works for this family friend that took him under his wing he's like hey you know the stuff that you were doing in the military you can apply it here but it's he's a hitman right barry's a nice dude though so he has this uh it's two two seasons on on hbo they're eight episodes each and it's uh at the beginning, you're just like, oh, it's going to be another Hitman episode. I mean, Hitman series, which we've all seen before, like the movies and stuff like that. But then it goes into this uh, other part of it where he starts taking this acting class, basically on accident. And so it's balancing his life as a Hitman, which he doesn't really enjoy. And he makes it obvious that he doesn't enjoy it. Right. To this life of him as like a struggling up and coming actor. And it's him balancing those two lives and how he thinks he can do it. But basically, every time he tries to balance the two lives, he gets too far into one and it affects the other. Or he thinks he's all the way out of one of them and he has, he gets thrown back in. Right, right. Yeah, that was one thing I was a little bit worried about. I wasn't sure how you would feel about the whole theater acting thing, just because I know you don't really have a big connection to that world. Um, but how did you feel about that? It is kind of a unique premise. I really liked it. And just the premise of also having all these amazing, like all the actors in this show are great. They're established. I right. mean, you have Henry Winkler as the as the teacher. Oh yeah, it's the Fonz. The Fonz as the teacher of this. Uh, it, it's they're all bad. That's the point. Like he's right. kind of he says he's an acting, but even later in the series, you meet his uh his son, the right. Henry Winkler's son, and he's basically like, Dad, that's just a shrine to you. Like that acting class. You don't really like most of the actors that are bad, except for this one girl who you meet later, uh, Sally. 
played by Sarah. I don't remember her her name. Sarah Goldberg, and she's very good at points. Yeah, but I, the rest I, of the class is bad. Right, and I, I think that's an interesting premise because it very much is like college community theater where you're going to have that uh, teacher who over-inspires to be great and to really make his class think different about the world. And Henry Winkler does such a good job with that. And the class is full of those eccentric theater characters you would expect, but the way that Barry fits into the, that meld isn't what you'd expect. You know, being a, a ex-military, now hit, undercover hitman, basically, he kind of has to live that double life. Well, yeah, I mean, he went... He didn't purposely go to the acting class. He was doing a job, and he accidentally went into the acting class. And that's where you can see that Henry Winkler really loves this role, where he just eats into Sally when she's doing that. He's like, you don't even want to be here. You're a horrible actress. You told me this. You came to me crying. And then she's crying up there on the stage, and he's like, use it. This is where you go. And then she performs, and he's like, you know, I had to get you there. And it's just like, but also, like you're talking about the the crappy actors that like want to make it, I think they hit on every stereotype. Oh, for sure. You have the gay guy, and right. then you have the uh, the person that came from London. I think right. she, yeah, she came from London. The foreigner. Like, I'm gonna make it, and it's just like it's hilarious how they do the acting class. Yeah, it's L.A., so you definitely get that L.A. vibe of that um, melding pot. But I, I think they do a really good job. And making that seem like a, a realistic uh, college-ish. I think they're graduated, but it's still young adult uh, theater performance class where they kind of accept Barry for who he is and want him to be better. You know, because he's obviously not a good actor. There's nothing about him that inherently screams good actor. But that's why I think he wants to take the challenge. Yeah, no, I mean, it is fun. And that yeah, most of them are young. But then you have the one random old... Uh, old man that i think is from uh i don't know i think it's puerto rico right that's right. in the acting class as well and that's what shows you that henry winkler is like yeah this is my acting class but also it's just like a cash grab for him like he wants the money and it's it just it's great yeah uh so the acting class is a big portion of the plot uh but i would say the surprising thing that got me about barry, about barry is that bill Hader is actually playing a very serious role and it's actually a very um, heavily emotional series. And it has a lot of really mature, dark themes of him struggling with his PTSD from when he served uh, in the Middle East and having to cope with the people that he's killed and having to cope with his reality and, and deciding on who he wants to be. And he's a very conflicted man. And that balance or almost juxtaposition of the two worlds clashing, polar opposites, literally, and seeing where they meld and where they uh, other people can't understand them, that's what I think makes the show so interesting, is that he's literally on a wire so thin that he doesn't even know what side of that wire he's on. Yeah, I agree with you. The life that he's living can't be any different from the life that he wants to live, but he can never fully get out of it. And I agree with you. It's Bill Hader does an amazing job with how he portrays his character as this guy that, yeah, he basically just came back from war and didn't even really have a choice. He just got thrown back into this lifestyle and he doesn't, he doesn't even understand that he can really leave it. He says that a couple of times. He's like, I can do that. Like I can stop doing what I'm doing. I can stop working for this family friend that is supposed to be a mentor to him. But as you like, they purposely show you that he's taking advantage of Barry the entire time. But Barry is really the only thing that has that gives him any job like he doesn't have a job without Barry so he's taking advantage of Barry but Barry doesn't see that and they have other characters throughout the series that basically show him like hey this dude you're working for is taking advantage of you and you don't have to do this and so he's trying to get out of that life to go to that new life but yeah it's it is great job by Bill Hader because he's really the only one that has to go from the serious life right to the to the comedy of the acting class but he pulls it off great and then the comedy from both sides though of the story too is is awesome the funny parts from the hitman part of his life but also the serious parts compared to the serious parts in the uh, in the acting class and the comedy in the acting class they're both great right and that's that's the interesting part is like things that seem like they're serious in the drama class 
are not that serious compared to what he's dealing with. But I, I want to touch on um, you, you're talking about the relationship with his mentor. I believe yeah. it's played by Stephen uh, Stephen Root. Stephen Root, who is also uh, Milton from Office Space, who is this like uh, really soft-spoken nerd, and he just wants his steepler. And so it's funny to see him in this different role, where he's actually like a mentor, but he's you can tell he's pretty greedy. You know, he's just in it for the money. Very greedy. And he's just very manipulative towards Barry, and he's like, ah, "I'm your pal. You, know, I'm here to look. I'm here to help you." But really, he's you know a backstabber essentially. And that's what makes that relationship so good is because there's this line of trust and, you know, it, you got to hide that you're doing these acting classes and why were you even in these acting classes to begin with? And the pilot just hooks you in, just puts the meat claws in your mouth and just makes you want to keep watching more. So I'm glad you watched the both seasons because I said, you know, if, if one season's too much, just stick with one season. But you ended up watching both and you said you ended up watching them twice. Yeah, so I watched them both pretty, I mean, it was Thanksgiving break, basically, mm-hmm. so I didn't have anything to do, and so you told me to watch Barry, and I'm like, I'm going to watch Barry, and it's really addictive, like you said, that first, that pilot episode really gets you into this, because you're invested in both wor- worlds already, and then I also watched it with my girlfriend, but she didn't watch it at the same time as I did, right. so I just kind of went back and forth, like jumping between season one, season two, but yeah, over, at the end, I watched every episode twice. So really, you're a bigger fan than Barry. You're a bigger fan of Barry than me. I mean, yeah, I've only seen it once. <laughs> no, I really liked it, and it was fun being able to know what was going to happen and see the reaction of someone else watching it with you. Yeah, because sure. my girlfriend, I didn't think was going to be the type that liked this type of show. I mean, right. it's more of a dark, dark humor, dark right. comedy, and it's violent. It's very violent at times, which is funny too because it's polar opposite again. Like huge, like giant violence very graphic on his hitman life and then the the acting class they can't even talk about like death or the other people in the acting class are like we're living in a bubble like we took this test we're living in a bubble and we're gonna cry if anything is told to us about this life outside this bubble it's like it's perfect we're just little actors and we work at lululemon which is (laughs) a great gag in the second season when you find out that barry is his hitman and he's working at Lululemon. Right. No, uh, let's spend one minute at least to talk about probably our favorite character, Noho Hank. Um, he is, I can't remember exactly what the country he's from, but it's some Chechnya. Chechnya, which is like very similar to like a Russian vibe. And so he has this very interesting accent that he puts on. Um, but I, I think the actual actor has alopecia. He That's does. What, so he doesn't have eyebrows. He's bald. And it's funny because that kind of embodiment gives a lot of room for facial expressions. And so he's a very physical actor. So he uses his body a lot and he's shoulder shrugging and he has his accent. And his relationship with Barry is hilarious. Even though he's not on the theater side, he's on that hitman life. Uh, the way that they butt heads and sometimes have to come together and correspond is really what makes the humor work in that show. I think without Noho Hank, the show would be a lot worse. I agree with you 100%. He's definitely the X factor every time he's in a scene. And I think they probably didn't have a big of a role for him when they first started the show as they've ended up having. I think you got to give Bill Hader and I think Alec Berg is the other executive producer of the show a lot of credit because I think they see what was working and then they went back and rewrote some things because Noho Hank in the first episode, like he's basically, he just helps the Chechen like mob boss, like right. who is just the whole Chechen, the Chechen mob, their little gang is just laughable the whole, the whole time. Like that's the joke. They're, they're torturing people in this guy's a garage that has his daughter's like toys her like princess castle and stuff like that and then at one point either the mother or a chechen woman comes out and she's like you can't torture them this loud your daughter's having a sleepover right and noho hanks just kind of the funny get some laughs in here at first but then he ends up being more of a part and they're like we're going to connect him to another gang that they get to later and so his relationship with barry's hilarious and then his relationship between the two gangs and then the contention it causes with uh, the Chechens back home is also hilarious. 
Yeah. He's definitely something that got explored further as the show developed. And it was just really smart writing and good acting. And it absolutely was a surprise. You know, having never seen him before, Anthony... Anthony Kerrigan. Anthony Kerrigan, who was actually nominated for an Emmy for that role. And I'm sad he didn't win it because it's such a fantastic role. I feel like he should have. If you watch Barry, you would have voted for him to get that Emmy, you know? Barry is not Barry without without No Hank. No. For sure. It opens up so many other little plot points that you can have because it goes off with that other gang. And then at one point, he wants Barry to get back into killing, which is Barry had just tried to get out of it. And that's one of the times where Barry's like, I'm finally done with this life. And then he's like, no, you're not. And that's actually Anthony Kerrigan. His whole time he's been funny. But there's one episode in the second season where he's like, I'm not being funny anymore. Like, you have to do this for me. You have to respect me because he came into Lululemon with a wig on, like holding up women's pants. And Barry's basically like, um, screw you, dude. Like, I'm not doing this for you anymore. I'm done. I don't care if your family kills you. Like, I'm out of here. And then later on, he comes to the acting class at night and he's like, you have to respect me now. Like, he's like, no wig, no nothing. You have to respect me. I'm the only reason that you're alive because we'll get into spoilers a little later. But if it's not for me, I'm going to have you killed. Right. And so you better do what I want you to do because I'm your boss right now. Yeah. And it's the only time he's really ever serious in the entire show, but you believe it. Right. And you can see it. Bill Hader really, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. No, he definitely sells that fear. And um, Anthony really sells that um, dramatic intensity that he needs because it, it is, you see comedy, comedy, comedy. And then finally you see this great moment of tension. It is going to you know, you're going to react as the audience. You're going to visually be like, wow, you know, I didn't know this actor, or this character had that in him. And so it was very fun to, to see that shifting tides to your recommendation to me, the community. Um, I had had this on my watch list for a long time, uh, mostly because it's Donald Glover, mm-hmm. who I love childish Gambino. Um, I, I actually watched the soup when I was younger uh, with Joel McHale. So I liked him as just a personality. And I think that's all, that's all. I mean, I go Chevy Chase and then everyone knows Chevy Chase. Yeah. He's legend. So those three actors alone was enough for me to be like, okay, this is interesting. I'm not super familiar with, with, is it Russo brothers? Yeah. It's uh, Joe and Anthony Russo were the executive producers. And then Dan Harmon, I think is the creator. Who's right. also Rick and Morty. Okay. 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 I was wondering where I heard Dan Harmon. Um, so I didn't know a ton of, about the show. You know, I honestly didn't even know why it was called Community. But once you get to start of the first episode, you realize John McHale, uh, ex-lawyer, goes to community college to uh, rectify his degree, basically. And that's why it's called Community is because he's in community college. And this is about his his group of, of people. That turns out they all have a Spanish 101 class together. And their in Spanish instructor is uh, Kim Jong. Kim Jong. Yeah. And who's a comedian, Asian comedian. So it's funny that he's their Spanish teacher and there's a lot of comedy that goes on there. The show actually dropped in 2010, 2009. I think it's 2009, yeah. Yeah, because I just watched the first season, which is 25 episodes. And so it's interesting to see some of the things that are different. You know, people are still using flip phones and like using the old technology. But the humor is still there. I, I feel like there's a lot of funny things to make with community college. I went to I went to college in Southern Nevada, which isn't a community college, but it is a college that is not a university. So I can relate on that small group. Uh, we're not a university, but let's just go fight win, you know. Especially from the dean. Yes. The dean, we'll get into that later, but the dean really is great. In this season and even later in the the other. I think there's six seasons total. Yeah. That's crazy. See, okay. So, I like the show. It's good. The comedy is good. Uh, they really try to have a lot of heart and a lot of, um, I don't know, plotline drama. And for me, I didn't wasn't able to follow that kind of uh, stuff that intense. Like, it didn't really captivate me, which is fine because it is like 90% comedy. Uh, just like I would compare it to a slightly better comedy that does still have heart, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is good comedy, good character writing, 
And that's ultimately what you get hooked on is the characters. You're not there for the drama. You're there to see how these characters can act and how they react and, and move and interact with each other. And that was something that surprised me with the community is specifically the character Abed. I'm sure everybody loves Abed. I think he's a, uh, he, he's a young adult, probably like 23, 24 middle Eastern, uh, who has Asperger's. They never say, right. but yeah, they always, uh, they always hint that he has something. Right. They allude to it. So the interesting part is how he interacts with everybody and how, he, especially because he's so connected to movies and film, I could connect with him also being big into movies and film and how that's how he relates to people is through those things and through that, that medium. And so his character is so funny because he's very quirky. He's very self-aware. He's hyper-intelligent, very analytical. And so the way that you would expect a normal character to react in a social environment, because he is quirky, he is different. He acts in it. He zigs when he thinks he's going to zag and he makes it for a very, very fun character. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, uh, Abed is the reason I recommended this to you because, like we said earlier, we both love movies. That's, I think, what we first really talked about, like, entertainment-wise. Right. And Abed never completely breaks the fourth wall. I don't think, for sure, not in the first season. And I mm-hmm. don't know for sure in the later seasons. But he's basically there to, like, play with the audience and joke, right. like, Hey, this is obviously like a trope from a mo- like movie editing or just like this right. genre. And that's another thing that I really like about Community. And you've only seen the first season, but in the later seasons too, you saw it in the first season. There's an episode which is an homage to Goodfellas. Right. And those episodes, they happen every season and it's they're amazing. Like the homages to other TV shows, to other movies, and they they change everything to be like that TV show. Right. And I think that's what's so smart about the writing and the editing is there is an episode where it's Abed is literally um, the main character from Goodfellas that gets brought into a a mafia family or mob. But the idea behind it is uh, chicken fingers instead of like drugs or weapons, you know, they're selling chicken fingers because, I mean, what would be something highly sought after at a a college is like good food, you know. And so the chicken fingers are what everyone loves. You know, we got to find out who distributes them, who makes them. And so Abed goes to the kitchen and kind of becomes a, a chicken fingers dealer, essentially. And the way that they edit it, where he does voiceovers and talks about himself, like in the first person, just in a different style than you would expect from how the show has previously established. So I, I really liked that, those choices they made. Those kind of fun choices where it, it imitated other arts made the show worthwhile and really something that like I would recommend more than this season. I would say watch these three or four episodes and you'll be like, Oh, that's why you should love uh, this show or why this show is special. Oh, for sure. It's like, it's like most other comedy sitcoms, like even the office. or like you said, Brooklyn nine, nine, it's not necessary to watch every single episode of the TV show. I mean, unless you're a purist and you want to, but especially something that's already ended too. Like, you can just go from season to season. And like you said, you're not there specifically for the drama and, like, the overall overarching plot from season one to season six. You're there for some of those, like, really funny episodes. And also, yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk about the paintball episode later, too. That's some of the best episodes of TV I think I've ever seen in the first season. Then there's also some more in the second season. Yeah, no, I definitely think I'll keep going, you know. Uh, Take it a little bit slower this time because I really binged... uh, binge the 25 episodes in like two weeks yeah and it's pretty easy to get through it's you know they're like 24 22 minute episodes so they're real quick but uh i think other than abed uh troy really makes the the show special he's played by donald glover who i've seen from atlanta and i've again listened to all of his music on solo Yes, he's in the movie Solo, where he plays Lando in in the young form. And it's interesting to see that he's playing a stupider character. He's supposed to be like a jock type. And that's kind of not how I see Don Glover today. Like, I feel like he's really took in that Troy character and said, that's 180% not who I am. And, you know, all of his music is very hyper-intelligent. This is America. It's like him basically going against what America has been established as and the nation stands for. And so it's funny to see him 
in a much more conventional boxed role that has boundaries and then seeing how he interacts within those boundaries of being a jock and being that stereotype. And sometimes he pushes the boundaries more than what you'd expect. And I think Don Glover is a really good actor. I agree hundred percent. I think, uh, I think this is one of his first like major sure. roles because this was back in 2009. Right. And I think Donald Glover's in his thirties. So it was like early twenties when he's probably getting his first break. Right. I think that's a good way to connect the two shows because like you said, Ch- uh, Donald Glover has been like Troy character. That's not who I am anymore. Like, yes, it was a big part of who I am, but like, I'm much more than that. And then Sally and Barry is kind of getting to that point where she wants to be an actress and she wants to make it, but she doesn't want to have these small meaningless roles that people are giving her. And later in season two, she gets this opportunity to possibly be a lead in a TV show, but she's like, I don't even want to do this. So I think that's a good connection between Donald Glover in real life and then Sally, the character in, uh, in Barry. No, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I, I would never even connect to those two worlds, but you're totally right that there is a, a very personal connection uh, that these characters make you feel and make you realize. And that's what I would say both these shows do well, is even though there are tropes, there are uh, definitely stereotypes that we're going for, um, they still are human beings. And you still feel like they're people you've met, they're people you could meet, they're people that really exist out there. And when entertainment uh, in movie and film can do uh, film and television can do that, I think that's when it's at its highest. That's when it's the writings at its peak is when you it's believable. That's that's my bare minimum for a good movie. Was this believable? And if not, why wasn't it? Yeah, I think community does a great job at that because they're so over the top with the characters and they're obviously making fun of community college. Right. And like you said, it's a comedy. It's a sitcom. But even though you care more about just like the laughs and the, like the good, the great episodes, because there's five, six great episodes per season, except season four. We don't need to talk about season four and all the politics that happened with community, but you care about all the characters, even some of the characters that you think you shouldn't care about, like Chevy chase. Right. And also obviously community would not have worked. Like if it started now, the, the jokes and stuff like that. A he's little, very racist. He's very racist. He's very sexist and he's not shy about it. But, but he's a parody. That's, he that's the big point. It's like, he's parodying old, like white Republican people. Like, and he knows it. He's, it's so ham fisted in the writing. And, and so for me, it never felt like this was actually Chevy chase. Whereas like, in the office, some of the racist things Michael Scott says, it's not really a parody of a boss, you know? It's just yeah. the character Michael Scott. Whereas, obviously, Chevy Chase's character is a parody of old people. Even a lot of, like, things that he says and references he makes and is, you know, he's really trying to be hip and up-to-date in community college. Yeah, I think it's either one of the first episode. I think uh, he's talking about uh, Shirley. Mm-hmm. who's played by Yvette Nicole Brown, who's also an amazing character, who's this single mom, African-American lady who's trying to start her own business, and he makes these uh, sexual comments towards her, and everyone at the table, the Spanish study group that Joel McHale, who plays Jeff Winger, started just so he could hit on one of the ladies in the study group, uh, Britta, who's played by Jillian, Michael, Jillian Jacobs, and he's like, I wasn't... Uh, I'm not, that's not sexual harassment. I was just telling her like how I feel. And everyone's like, that is sexual harassment. You can't do that. So when Abed is so self-aware throughout the whole series and the whole point, like Chevy Chase is the exact opposite. Right. Like, I don't understand how I'm being racist, how I'm not a good friend. And all he does is be racist and not be a good friend, but you still end up caring for him because the show is written so well. And just the dynamic of this group, you end up caring for all of them, even when you shouldn't. Right, right, and that's the good thing about the show. Everyone outside of Abed has a negative side. I feel like Abed is just all like everything you see of him is rationalized, or you can like make an understanding for it because he is quirky, he is different. You're like, oh, okay, so even if that wasn't the best social choice, I get it. You know, his brain functions a little bit different. He's just a he, he thinks differently than we do, and that's why his character is so special. Whereas every other character, I feel like, does have faults and flaws. Season one, I agree with you 100%. I think uh, Abed's character development later on kind of shows that 
he can make mistakes and he hmm. should learn because sometimes he's so on the nose right. and like so direct to people that he's having to learn that sometimes I shouldn't say stuff just because I think that is true and it's obvious because it can hurt someone else's feelings. Right. He gets there eventually, but yes, Abed is basically Abed is the baby Yoda of this show. Right. Nothing baby Yoda does like nothing baby Yoda does is going to be wrong. Even though his name is Grogu and people n- might not accept it. Just spoilers. I'm sorry for anyone. Oh, damn. That's, they're behind two two episodes now. Two episodes. Come on. What if they're waiting to wait? They're to not real it. Baby Yoda fans then. <laughs> yes, even though he choked, choked out Cara Dune, um, he, he still is the perfect little being, much like Abed. Do you care at all that he choked out Cara Dune? Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. But I, yes, you're right. It, it's irrelevant right. to how much he, how lovable. And he's like so he beloved is. in right. the in the show. He can do no wrong, but he does little wrongs that, which helps him like grow as a character because he does need that. Because if he's just perfect, he's not going to grow at all throughout the seasons, which he does. And it's actually really nice to see Abed get some growth, even though he's boxed in so much. Yeah, no, I I agree. So he's kind of the golden goose of the show. But I mean, all in all, I I've enjoyed it. I really found it to be a great series. And I, 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 like I said, it's been on my watch list for a long time. I knew a lot of people who wanted me to watch it. It just took something like this to push me to actually watch it. Yeah. And so shout outs to Danny Pudi or Pudi who plays Abed. Oh, yes. Because that's the thing. He plays this person that obviously has issues like interacting socially, but also when he's able to come out into his form, which is like using movie references or stuff like that. He just completely switches it off and plays the other person that he's impersonating. And it just switches from Abed to this other movie character or this other TV show. And it's amazing. I definitely say, like, his range is great. No, he's a very good actor, which is surprising that I really haven't seen him in anything else. So, Yeah, I think he might have been typecast a little bit after, after Abed. Probably, probably. But he did a great job here. All right, so I think it's time to go into spoilers. So this was your synopsis with a few details about the story and different things about um, basically enough to hook you so that if you want to watch these shows, go ahead and watch them. Uh, if you don't care about spoilers, just keep listening. Um, but we are going to talk about major plot points in both series um, and just kind of delve into what we did or didn't like about them. So we will start with Barry now. Um I would say off the top of my head, probably one of the biggest pop points that really shocked me while watching the first two seasons is the car sequence. So the one where he has his ex-military buddy and has to essentially um, shoot him in the car because his friend knows too much about his hitman life. Yeah, I think his friend in the show, I think it's Chris. Chris Chris. Delgado. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, that's a big one. Up to when his life converges with the hitman life to the acting life, and he ends up sleeping with Sally. Um, Bill Hader wakes up, Barry wakes up the next episode, basically, and Sally's like, hey, here's a Facebook. Like, I'm making you a Facebook. Don't you want people to be able to find you? And Barry's right. like, yeah, but everyone's like, no, you don't want people to find you. You're a hitman. Why? But he's he's a little too deep into the, the acting class life. So he's like, yeah, sure. But he uses his stage name, which is in the show, it's Barry Block. Oh, right. But his his real name's Berkman. And she's like, who's someone you want to find? And she, he's like, oh, I want to find Chris. Like, my buddy that I served with, like, in the military, finds him, invites him to that party. And then it ends up with, he has to end up doing, Barry has to end up doing a job with one of Chris's friends. Because Chris's friends find out, finds out about it. They have to go raid this storehouse, and then it ends up in Chris being in this horrible situation. Barry tries to get him out of it right away. Like, he's in the car, and Barry's like, Chris, leave. Get out of here right now. And Chris is like, no, man, like, we're just going to go scare people. But Chris doesn't know that his Marine buddies that he's with, they're going to go bum rush this Bolivian, like, gang boss that's coming at them. Because those the Marine characters... Very stereotyped. Very stereotyped. We're going to go, like watching porn like right on the big screen like full blast and then classic they both get a shot and then it ends up with barry and chris and they eventually get away from the bolivians and then chris is like dude i gotta turn myself in right and barry's whole point of how he's like because barry is a good guy deep yeah. down like 
the show shows you that even when he has to kill people. But his whole thing has always been like, I only kill the bad guys. And at one point, his boss, Fuchs, that we talked about, is like, you got to kill the Marine. And Barry's like, no, I'm not going to kill the Marine. I only kill bad guys. Like, that's how I justify this. I don't want to do it if I'm killing good guys. And so when he has to kill his friend, Chris, in the car, because he realizes that Chris is going to ruin everything for him. He's going to ruin his hitman life. He's going to ruin his new acting life with Sally and his friends. That's the first time Barry actually kill someone that's innocent right and that's that was a big moment for me watching because i was like oh crap because that was the character's i guess flaw the character of barry his flaw was that he was not able to establish himself in one world or the other he always was in between the two and because then that cost him and that making those small mistakes that seemed innocent had detriments just something as small as making a facebook profile ended your friend's life who you hadn't seen in years and that's such a powerful moment and i think that's such smart writing and directing and the way that whole sequence breaks down you feel you feel like that's what he has to do he has no other option and it's like i would never kill anybody i would never condone killing anybody but it's like if you want to live a life anymore you have to do this which is crazy because you know usually I'd be like oh face the consequences go to prison but I'm on that in that moment I was like Barry had to do that even though it was wrong he had to do that yeah exactly and I like what you said all of it he Barry was kind of like I can do this I can live these two worlds like he keeps on making little mistakes and like they cost him a little bit but there was nothing that was like I can't do this and that's kind of like he would be going to an audition with Sally and they'd be like, you got to kill this dude. And he's like, okay, whatever. And then he'd go and get it done. And it shows that when he gets Hank is telling him to go kill this member of the Bolivian gang. And they're like, you got to wait till we deliver this bullet with DHL. Right. So we send them a message, send a message. and he's like, you got to wait to kill this Bolivian guy that we sent you out to kill. And Barry's like, screw you, dude. No, like I'm here. I'm out here with the giant sniper rifle sitting out, porched out here. He's out in his front yard. I'm going to kill him right now. And then Hank's like, uh, no, Hank's like, no, dude, you got to wait. And Barry's all pissed. And then he gets the alert like, oh, you got acting class. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go. And he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll just kill the guy later. But then it ends up when they finally deliver the bullet, he's having Sally calling him. And she's like, I need you here now. Like, why don't you care about me? Like call off work. Cause she doesn't know that he has to shoot a dude in the head right. basically. Right. But he's like, Oh, I want to go be with Sally. I want to help her. So he risks his life and just goes to the, the dude's house and ends up oh, like, yeah, doing a sloppy job. Yeah. A sloppy job. And the guy almost like, he almost gets caught because right. the Bolivian guy runs into his backyard and he tries to jump the fence and there's a party next door and Barry ends up choking him out in the lawn. Right. And so at the beginning of the episode, he was, no, dude, I got to do this now. But then he's letting the class get to him and he's kind of not being able to live the two lives. Like he was way safe up there with the sniper rifle. Right. Should have just waited, waited for the guy to come out of his house, shoot him. But he's like, no, man, I want to go be with Sally. I can do this. I'm just going to go do this. And it almost cost him right there. Yeah. No, that's, that's the thing. I think this show is very comparable to Dexter. Dexter is a similar show where he's a, a good man at heart, even though he's a sociopath. He still, you know, lives a functioning life, works for the Miami police, but he's also has an inherent desire to kill. It's a little bit different because Barry doesn't want to kill, whereas Dexter does. But the big thing of the show is he almost gets caught a lot. And that happens in Barry, but I think it's very smartly done. Like the times he almost gets caught are intriguing. And you're like, oh, okay, now how is this going to work in Barry's favor? That's another way they play into the comedy of this right. show is is the police and at first the police were like purely comedy right because barry's original job was to kill this guy who was in the acting class because he was sleeping with one of the chechen's wives right and so he ends up trying to do that and gets into the acting class but then after that uh the chechens end up killing the guy he was supposed to kill and then barry ends up killing two of them and injuring one which turns out to be noho hank who brought a camera to the hit 
Right. Because he didn't, like, that's the whole point of Noho Hank at the beginning. Like, he's an idiot. Like, he's this, and he even admits later on, he's like, guys, I'm a nice guy. I shouldn't even be a hitman. Like, I just kind of, like, got thrown in this situation, and I'm just trying to make the best of it. So he's right. like, he got shot in the neck by Barry, or the arm. He got shot by Barry eventually, and but he brought the, the camera to the hit, and they leave the camera there, and the cops find it. And the first cop that we see, whose name is Janice, yep. I believe, Janice Moss, she, like, the IT guys are like, okay, don't try and, like, get into the password thing. And she's like, I mean, how many can there be? There's only four. And then she's like, one, two, three, one, one, two, three, two, one, two, three, three. And then it locks them out even further. And this is like making fun of cops right. and stuff like that. And then eventually how Barry always ends up getting away is because the cops think they have like the story all laid out and it's all wrong right no i i think that is a very interesting uh, dynamic and pretty much goes to the next pop point a major pop point is janice's relationship with um henry winkler's character that they the um coach of the theater classes the teacher he gets in this relationship with janice right and because that that the two worlds come together and they bleed together essentially in more ways than what you'd expect. And so now Barry has to play both sides, knowing more information than everyone around him. And that was also a very interesting thing because it, it that happens in shows like Breaking Bad, where you have people who know about these double lives and are following them. And you got to see how our protagonists will react to them. And Janice does a very good job. The actress was really st- stellar. And I think that plot point of her death was huge. Yeah, I agree. And I think her character might have been somewhat along the lines of what they ended up doing with Noho Hank. Because when they first introduce her, they're just kind of like, they make her out to seem like she's this bad cop. She ends up she was supposed to go get information about the case, but she ends up going to get coffee with, uh, with the acting teacher. I think his name is Gene, Gene M. Cousinow. Yeah. And he takes her out to this fancy, fancy dinner. And he's like, no stay. Like, because he gives her information that he thought was relevant, but she had already known, which is that Barry block isn't his, isn't Barry's real name. Right. Or no, 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 it wasn't that it was Ryan. Oh, yeah, the original the guy, guy that, yeah, Ryan Madison, that wasn't his real name. He had a different name. It was a stage name. And she's like, well, we already knew that. And so she should have just left. But Gene, Gene is trying to like seduce her to stay. Like he's, he's, obvi- he's obviously very into her. Like, no, stay. Like if this isn't the best chicken you've ever had, like, right. I'll let you kick me right in the balls. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And she loses track of time. And then they end up having that relationship, which ends with them going to the cabin in the last episode of season one. Right. Which feels very much like when you first watch it, you're like, oh, it's one of Barry's like daydreams. Because that's another big oh, yeah. part of I the show. The daydreams were the only way you could actually get in to see what like Barry was thinking about right. life. He would have like future things that he was thinking about, like a life with Sally and like right. kids and how he was going to do that. But also sometimes it would just be like him thinking to himself like when he killed the bolivian guy he was saying no necesitas hacer este like which means like you don't have to do this and he's like saying it in his head in his head and he doesn't know what it means and then sally so it like the way it finally gives us information on barry is like opening his mind to us and when they first go to the cabin it seems like it's one of his like daydreams because barry's like Sally's his girlfriend, and Gene is there. Clear your throat. And Gene is there. And Gene is there with Janice. And you're like, no way, because Gene is obviously older than Janice, too, right. and it doesn't right. seem like that would ever happen. And you're like, okay, this is one of Barry's like daydreams. Everything's going perfectly. Oh, yeah. He's Every, gonna everything's have, going too good. He's going to have his own show with Sally, right. and, the, and Gene's directing it, and they got this poster and everything. Right. And they're having steaks and Gene is singing, right, to Janice and all this stuff. And, like, the color texture and everything looks very much like his daydreams. Because they make it obvious that his daydreams are, like, 
not real. Right. No, I just got shivers remembering that sequence because it's so good. Just that double fake out, essentially, by the uh, editors and the director. Yeah, it was amazing because it seems fine until Janice asks Barry, like, so what what are you doing with this class? Like, do you want to, like, go act in TV shows? Do you want to go act in movies? And Barry, Barry doesn't know what he wants to do. He just knows that he doesn't want to be a hitman. And this right. is kind of the way he thinks that he can get out of it. Because Gene's told him that, just like all of his other actors, like, you can do this. Just make sure to, to pay me. You right. can do this. I only let certain people in my class, and it's the people that pay in advance. Right. But he's like, I don't really have a plan. Like, I just want to do theater. You know what I mean? And then uh, Gene ends up telling her about one of the most important sequences in the first season, where Barry basically just tells Gene his entire life. Oh, yeah. Because Gene's like, Barry's like, do you really think I could be in this class? And Gene's like, Barry, no, you suck. Like, you're horrible. You're a horrible actor. I don't think I could get anything out of you. And then Barry and Bill Hader, he just tells him everything. He's like, I kill people for a living. Like, I was in the military. I came back. I didn't know what to do. This dude gave me a job. So I'm good at killing. Like, I'm not good at acting, but I'm good at killing. And then Gene's like, that was a really good, like... Good character. Good character. Good monologue. Where's that from? And Barry's like, I don't know. And he's like, so you made that up? That was improv? Be at class tomorrow. And then he tells that to Janice. Right. And then Janice starts to... Connect the dots. Because another big plot point is Barry ended up leaving one of his books with the uh, with the ex-Marines, and it was Ryan's book. Oh, that's right. And so the police get all caught up in thinking that Ryan Madison was this giant, like, conspiracy he was working with the Marines to try and make the Chechens and the Bolivians fight each other and get the profit. So they ended up closing the case. They're like Ryan Madison and his Marine friends were behind all of this. They were trying to get these two gangs to go to war with each other. And that was it. And so Barry was in the clear until Gene says this, why they're all eating steaks at his cabin in the woods. Yeah. I, I think that whole sequence of the cabin is just so smart, and the end of season one is just brilliant. And the fact that it doesn't, even going to season two, it doesn't explicitly tell you what happened with Janice. You can kind of guess and infer, but uh, it's just really, really smart the way that they resolve that and how Janice, you know, she had to be taken care of, just like Chris. And I don't think he would have done that if he hadn't have had to kill Chris already. Right. Because it's the same thing. Like, if I want my life to to keep going i i gotta do this and that's where it wasn't planned when he killed chris and you can see that that struggle that barry and bill Hader is showing like i don't know if he even yells at chris like why did you say that why didn't you get out of the car like having that internal struggle but with janice he tries to he goes down because she's sitting by the lake or the creek right and she has the miracle of the router somehow being pointed out the window that gives her perfect internet out all the way on the lake, which we won't talk about, but I'm sure it works. Convenience. They made a they made a point of showing her putting it out there, which I thought was funny. They're like, It's gonna it's gonna have signal. Yeah. And she's out there and she basically puts it all together. She goes on Facebook, she finds Barry Block because she'd only ever known Berkman because when they like asked people in the acting class about the about the crimes, he's like, "Yeah, my name's Barry Berkman," stuff like that. Fuchs would always cover for him, which was another funny scene with the cell phones, the different like the alibis they had, mm-hmm. and Fuchs would talk. Oh yes, with Barry, so he was in the clear, and that's how Barry got away with it. But then she's down there figuring it all out, looking at his Facebook, finding Chris who died. Right. Putting it together, seeing the pictures of Chris's Facebook with his Marine friends. And she's like, this wasn't Ryan Madison. Like Barry did this. And then he ends up down there on the dock with her with no gun. And he makes it like a big thing that he has no gun. And then when they're walking back to the cabin, the cinematography of how they have them walking up the hill and the camera's panning back. So you can see the tree where Barry has the pistol and the silencer right up there with his hands up like Janice, please don't do this. We don't have to do this. 
but he was planning on killing her if he had to. But that wasn't the same with Chris. Right. So Chris really allowed for that to happen. No, for sure. Phenomenal show. All right, bro. Moment of truth. What rating would you give it? Rating for Barry season one and season two? Yes. Season one and season two as a whole. Season one and season two as a whole. Um, I loved it. I'm really excited to see season three. Me too. I really want to rate it all like as a total work. Yeah. But I'd say Barry season one and season two, I'd probably give it an 89. 89. All right. I, I want like to that. give it a 90 plus, but right, I think we got to wait to see the rest of the seasons. Yeah. Cause that's the thing with TV. Like, if they end it there, if they have to end it there because of COVID stuff or they just can't finish the show, I'd probably give it a masterpiece. But I feel like I need to see what happens with the rest of the seasons yeah. and how they all stack up. Yeah. No, I. To give it that masterpiece. I know your 90 and above is the masterpiece right. rating. So it's right there. It should be. And then with the rest of the, the, the seasons, I don't know how many more. It'll probably get there. Yeah, I hope no more than two. I think they can wrap up the show in a, in four seasons total. I think that would be probably the perfect length. Um, but as it stands right now, I mean, Barry's top ten for me. Top ten favorite TV show. So I would put it probably 95. I definitely think it's Masterpiece. It, it hits all those right nails. And I haven't seen it since I first watched it uh, last year. Uh, but just you talking about it brought to memory, brought to my remembrance all those great sequences and really made me be like, oh yeah, I do really love the show. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack in just the the eight 30-minute episodes. We really only talked about the spo- spoilers for season one. Really, yeah. I mean, we could have gone a whole another 30 minutes talking about season two. Yeah, no, which, it's dense. The end of season two, he's basically in the same position that he was at the beginning where someone, the end of season one, where Janice knows, end of season two, now Gene knows. And the police are still wrong. They think the Chechens did it, killed Janice, which is great. It just keeps on going with uh, Barry's getting away with it. But now Gene knows, and Gene's like his father figure at this point. Right. So it's like, what's going to happen? Is Barry going to kill Gene? Who Barry has basically told everything to Gene, which another spoiler is how he killed an innocent man. And that's why he got, like, he left the military right. and came home. So, like, season two is just as good as season one, if Absolutely. not better. And I'm excited to see where they go with that and and how Bill Hader and Alec Berg like continue to craft this story around what they've done so far. And as long as Noho Hank is in it, I will watch. Yes. Yes, I will enjoy it. Um all right. Moving on to spoilers for the community. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it. There's only a couple uh major plot points. Uh but like you referenced earlier, the paintball episode is exceptional. Uh it is the equivalent of like a zombie apocalypse I'm, I'm, i feel like that's what they were going for it gives you walking dead vibes definitely at the beginning and that's what i thought they were they were going for yeah i think you're right because i think that's right about that time that walking dead had its first episode and so he wakes up uh, and and then the world around him is different he wakes up from a nap in his car and uh, there's apparently there's a paintball fight that's supposed to go on in the community college and what ends up happening is its priority registration is what they're fighting for and so because of that, it becomes like a uh, apocalyptic scene. And the last man standing is going to get priority registration, get to choose what classes they want first before everyone else. Which for anyone who's ever gone to high school or college where they have priority registration, you know that is something worth fighting for. And I like what you said, Jeff, at the beginning of the episode, they're even playing with that. They're like, yeah, we're going to have a paintball game and the prize is going to be a Blu-ray player. And everyone's like, Oh, whatever. And Jeff goes and takes a nap in his car and then he comes out of it and the campus is completely destroyed. Right. And that's kind of like the walking dead thing with the main character in walking dead, like waking up in the hospital and like what the heck's happened. And so Jeff and the, the, where his car is, it's like, he would never be sleeping there. It's just the whole gag. Right. Right. Very ham fisted. He goes in and there's this character. I am for forgetting the character's name, but he goes in and he's like, what happened and it's this this bigger actor he's laying down there and he's got like paintballs all over him on his glasses and he's like they're savages like the paintball war is still going on and it's just like the exposition to get you into it and then he's like 
Joel's like, is this over? Like, he's like, no, this is just beginning. And then Abed comes around the corner. He's like all decked out in paintball gear. And he like saves Jeff and he finds Jeff finds out his priority registration. They're like, so you could choose to put all your classes on a Monday and have a six day weekend. And then the paintball like throughout the rest of the episode is amazing. Yeah, it's good because the episode starts off like a normal episode. Any other episode has a typical intro and then it just does a full 180 turn and becomes like this cinematic parody. And that's just another example of what the show is so good at and was so smart. But the other thing that takes us to the next level of importance is that this is the first time Britta and Jeff actually connect and kind of share their feelings about each other because they kind of have to team up and make sure that they have each other's backs. So that's an interesting a way to make a parody in something a little bit more goofy, more integral to the overall plot line. And their relationship is pretty much what gets the plot started and gets the whole group together. And so it's interesting to see how that develops. Otherwise, other relationships developing aren't nearly as interesting. Annie's not that interesting as a character. But Jeff and Britta is pretty much the only thing plot-wise that is consistent. Yeah, definitely at this point in season one of the that's definitely Jeff and Britta is the whole glue of the season so far. Right. And that fades with time and gets into bigger plot points. But yeah, I agree. And then I would say probably the best use of Ken Jong in the entire series is this ep- this episode where I think it's 2 a.m. and people are still playing paintball because they want this priority registration. And the dean is like crying in his office. He's like, they won't stop fighting. Like it's 2 a.m. Like they need to go home. And at this point, so Ken Jong is the, the Spanish teacher, Senor Cheng, which is hilarious. And he's like, put me in. He's like, but you're not a student. He's like, just sign me up for classes right now. I'm one of those dudes that plays paintball three times a week and right. brings his own equipment. It's so believable. And so at the end of the game, I think it's only uh, Jeff and Britta left and they just teamed up and uh senor chang comes into the room like their study room with this giant paintball gun this automatic paintball gun and like the ones that they'd all been playing with are just pistols and the way he walks in there and then he's like buenos dias children and then just starts shooting up the place he's just like tony montana from scarface and he's doing the say hello to my little friend sequence where he's got the i think he has two automatic paintball guns and just spraying them everywhere like crazy yeah he has like the the camo like the pink and black camo giant one that he's just spraying all over and then he pulls like two golden pistols out from behind and then britta ends up sacrificing herself for jeff which is another big point like plot point in season one because up to that point britta's kind of like I don't like Jeff. Like he just got this study group together so he could sleep with me to get with me. And then she's finally like, no, you know what? This is fair. Like you can take this. And so her bullet and Senor Chang's bullet hits in midair and they both get splattered with paint. Right. And Jeff's the only one left. But then Senor Chang opens up his suit because he's wearing like a full on like tuxedo. (laughs) Right. And he opens it up and he's got like a paint bomb basically strapped to him. And he starts laughing, and then Jeff ends up jumping out of the room as it explodes with paint. Right, and and that's what the show again does so well. Obviously, no one would ever have a paintball bomb like a vest on their chest. There, you suspend your disbelief because you realize this is a comedy, this is a parody, but yet still important plot points. Relationships are being built even amongst this, and that's why the episode is so smart and really just in season one. That's probably one of the biggest highlights. And just most fun that the show does and takes risks and is goofy and shows different sides of different characters and but still fitting within the established realm. Like if that was the second episode, it would not make sense. It would not work. But it was only after like 15 episodes. You're like, OK, I get who these characters are. This episode is important to what's go overall arching plot. And it's interesting to see these things. That's the ultimate thing. This show is interesting. Yeah, and even at the end, Jeff ends up giving the priority registration that he wins to Shirley so she can better fit her schedule around her kids, which until that point, Jeff had only been a selfish guy. Like, he started the group because of this, and so everyone's starting to kind of, like, come out of their shell, and you're you're seeing real development this far into the season. 
to go for the next seasons, even though it's a comedy, but exactly what you said, like it was the right time for that episode. It's hilarious, but you actually get growth from the characters too, which is, I mean, Jeff didn't even want it. Then he wanted to play paintball because he wanted the priority registration and then he wins it all and then still gives it to someone else, which is really good for his character. Yeah. Yeah. Smart, smart character development. I'm interested to see how it pans out. Um, overall rating right now. Um, I, I kind of explained my reservations towards it. I probably would give it an 82 out of a hundred. I think it's a great show. Good comedy. It's not quite as good as other comedies that have better characters. Like I said, I like Alison Brie, but Annie's just kind of sucks as a character. Yeah. Britta is difficult to like by intention. Um, but she does some good things to make you come around, but I don't think she's a great actress. Joe McHale, I love, but he's not a very good actor either. Uh, but the writing is good, and that's what holds it together. So I think A2 out of 100, great show. I'd recommend anyone who likes that kind of sitcoms. Yeah, for sure. And i definitely say that all the characters, season two and season three, I'd say are definitely the, the best out of the six. And then one's there too. But I mean, I don't know if you one of the, real quick, the uh, debate episode. Mm, the one where Annie has uh, Jeff Winger come in to help him out with the debate, yeah, against the the other community college, right? Which is it was hilarious, but the like they use an actual like deep discussion for the it, philosophical. The philosophical is man inherently like good or evil. The Hobbes versus Locke, uh, question that everyone's always been asking, and just. I thought that was probably, even though the paintball episode is amazing, I thought mm-hmm. the most thought out episode was probably the debate episode. No, that's a good point. I mean, definitely it's a serious topic that they put a comedic spin on. And they also reveal things about Jeff Winger's character and like how debate works. And there's a lot of different um, spinning hats, spinning plates in this episode. Uh, but I, yeah, definitely it's, it's a good one. Yeah, I definitely, those are probably the three standout from the first season, the debate episode, then the Goodfellas episode, and the uh, the paintball episode. Those are definitely the strong parts. What would you rate the first season alone? Of Community? Yeah. I'd probably give it an a- 85. 85. Okay, yeah. cool. And it gets better from there, you say? Yeah, because I think, like you said, Joel McHale was just on the soup right. before that. He wasn't like... None of these people were big actors besides Chevy Chase at this point. And so it was the first season because even the first episode isn't really indicative of the rest of the season. You know what I mean? No. It kind of sets it up as like, oh, Jeff is going to be this main character. He's this ex-lawyer and it's going to be about him and just getting through community college. And John Oliver is also in in this show as well catches me off guard when i see john oliver i'm like he comes in and out of this show as well but uh it really changes throughout the season from less of the jeff winger show to more of the community like this spanish study group and stuff like that and so all the characters kind of become important when it at the beginning it was just kind of like oh it's going to be this comedy like dude wants a girl it's going to be about this about this dude and then it ends up being about the group as a whole and that just the it just keeps on building like that and all their relationships keep on getting more intertwined and so it's just as funny just as good like the episodes the movie references like later on there's a there's a episode where it's either ncis or csi Mm. and like the beginning they change the color and everything to look exactly like the beginning and the end of the episode says special thanks to dick wolf like it's That's just cool. hilarious, like funny tropes, of right. movies and stuff. Abed's amazing, and it just keeps on getting better, and you care more and more. So I think you'll really enjoy. Oh, cool! No, I'll I'll keep watching it for sure. And I think there our two shows are very different that we recommended to each other, uh, but I I think they're both very special, different in their genre and respective uh, what they bring to the table. So. Um, if you ended up getting this far listening to the spoilers and still haven't seen it, I would recommend going out and watching it, even though you're going to know some of the major plot lines. I still think what you're going to see on screen will impress you, and I think it's going to be a good uh, waste of your time, which is the flagship premise of the show. Yeah, I agree 
if you want to watch both of these shows. I think they're they're amazing if you have the time. And Holden, thanks for having me. It's been great. Hey Jared, thanks, thanks for, for being here. here. Do you have anything to promote? Any anywhere anybody can find you? I'm just uh, I'll be heading back home to to Provo tonight. Uh, like to thank Zoom for getting me through this uh this college semester, and thanks for Holden and Steph for letting me come and stay here in Vegas for a little bit. It's been a nice little weekend. Yeah, dude, it's been good having you here. All right, so that's all we got for you this week. As we always say here on How to Waste Your Time. Bye. Bye. That's why I was like, I've watched the end of your... (laughs) 